Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. All right, we're going to get started. Welcome to another episode of Hallmarked Up. This week, we watched the movie A Cozy Christmas Inn, and I wanted to introduce our guest. This is Aaron. Welcome to Hallmarked Up. Hi there, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me, Sarah and Mary. That's right. We're both here, obviously. Aaron, <laughs> have you tell us your experience in Hallmark movie watching? Yeah, it it was. I think it started when I was a little kid. My I was over. I have family in Ohio. Oh, whereabouts in, in Ohio? Oh, in Cincinnati. Both Mary and I have family in the Columbus area. You may know that. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. I think I've heard about that. Yeah. And. Yeah, we were just over for the holidays, and I think they put it on. And it, I just remember not being really absorbed and wanting to do something else. <laughs> that <laughs> as sounds, a little kid does. That sounds yeah, right. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. <laughs> so this is something that obviously Mary and I discovered that both of our mothers were quite into the Hallmark movies while driving back and forth between Philly and Ohio, actually around Thanksgiving time and something my family always used to do is we made these cheesy bingo cards that you could like every time you spotted something extremely Hallmark Christmas generic you got a little marker on your bingo card and you had it was a drinking game of course so um, we primarily watched them for fun and laughing but you know sometimes there's an occasional good one I mean and we use the term good loosely right Mary? Yeah, I mean, good is relative. We do we do love Christopher Palaha, who featured in last week's movie. Christopher uh, Palaha, if you're listening, please come on our show. We want you on our show. We need to figure out how to get Palaha on our show because <laughs> we want him to star in a movie that maybe we write with him. That like we don't genuinely better. like Hallmark movies, but we genuinely like you. Yeah, we do. And and I promise we'll watch your Jurassic Park movie at some point. But yeah, so I've seen uh, it. He was great in it. Oh, do you know Christopher Palaha from the from the latest installment of Jurassic Park? I did. I did recognize him, and I know I I listened to a couple of your your podcasts, this show. Yeah. Over the past couple of days, and I I know the that there's there are some feelings there, and so yes. I, I definitely <laughs> there looked are some him feelings up there. <laughs> and uh, recognized him. So ah, excellent. Yeah, come All on right. the show. That's right. We got to figure out how to get him on here. I think just from now on, every show should be Christopher Palaha. Like we should open it with saying Christopher Palaha, if you're listening, please come on our show. I know. I need a hashtag. I, I did make a more Palaha hashtag that I'm trying to get off the ground. So but anyway, yes, Christopher Palaha, come on Hallmarked Up. That's what we need to have happen. Yep. So we start off the show by recapping this movie. I mean, Mary does a great job of recapping. This movie stars Jody Sweeten who was famously Stephanie in Full House, and a guy called David O'Donnell, who I believe was potentially a new Hallmark man. What do you think, Mary? I mean, I haven't seen him, but I don't, I, I feel like I don't recognize many people in these unless I know them from something else. Except Palaha. Except for Palaha, right. <laughs> because most of them are 
a lot alike. So I think that's yeah, why that's I don't true. That's true. This guy does look an awful lot like another guy that's on homework, I think. But I didn't so, yeah. recognize him before. So let's see. I honestly can say I didn't make a lot of notes, just some like comments that I thought were a bit funny along the way. So Mary, tell us what happens in a cozy Christmas inn. All right. Well, to start off, Jody Sweeten plays Erica who is a successful, high-powered businesswoman living in Seattle, trying to get a promotion. And in true Hallmark fashion, the first, the very first scene, we see Erica talking to her boss. Her boss comments on a Christmas tree in the office. And Erica assures her that she has been too busy to decorate a Christmas tree, and which of course meets with her boss's approval because of course she is supposed to be too busy to decorate a Christmas tree. This is way too stereotypical leading Hallmark lady. Yeah. yeah, this is like foreshadowing the ending. Oh, spoiler. Anyways, her boss then tells her that she has a new scheme to start investing in inns. In particular, she is interested in a place called the Garland Inn in Garland, Alaska, which has an observatory so kids can watch for Santa's sleigh. And it's picturesque and Christmassy and all of this stuff. And she read about it in an in-flight magazine and she wants it. She's going to buy it. And the board is all on board and they want it. And it's going to be their next big business venture. And if Erica can seal the deal on this in for her, then she will be promoted to executive vice president. Now, I don't understand, and it is never given to us to understand how exactly this is supposed to be a good or desirable deal for this company, um, as is so often the case on Hallmark. I guess I could see how it could just be her boss's personal obsession, which it clearly is. But the fact that like the entire board's on board, like, no, this is terrible investment. Like, what are you? Anyways. So anyways, she asked her, she has Christmas plans and she's like, oh yeah, I was gonna, you know, spend time with my family. She's like, oh good, so you don't have plans, so you can go. So yes, of course, again, foreshadowing the ending. The Erica's job sucks. So she orders her to drop her Christmas plans and fly to Alaska and try to purchase this inn. Now, it turns out the inn is run by one Andy Holiday, who turns out to be Erica's ex-boyfriend. Oh, who... I should note, because I watch often with the captions on in case I, you know, I don't know, fall, not paying attention with my ears. And they spelled holiday with two L's. So, you know, not to be confused with actual holiday. Yeah, yeah, just in case. Anyways, keep going. So Andy Holiday runs the inn. He also happens to be uh, Erica's ex-boyfriend. They dated when he lived in Seattle. And then when he moved back, they broke up because at some point she says he doesn't want to do long distance. At some point he says she just didn't want to do long distance. It's very unclear who made the decision not to do long distance, but a decision was made not to do long distance. And they clearly still love each other. And since then... Erica has become, in her best friend's words, the pickiest single woman in Seattle. Which they and always are. The they always pickiest, are. They always are. But anyway. I also feel the need to point out that it is at around this point that it becomes exceedingly clear that Andy's father, Frank Garland, is Santa. Yes. He has some kind of shipping business. He looks Holiday like Santa. Shipping. He wears suspenders and flannel shirts. And he's very jolly. Yeah, he's very jolly. He's definitely Santa Claus. Officially, he runs a company called Holiday Shipping. And he can't wait for Andy to sell this in and go into the family business. So in other words, become the next Santa Claus. 
And it's this thing where like clearly everyone in Garland knows about this and we'll get to this. Clearly everyone in Garland is aware that holiday shipping means Santa's workshop, but it's all like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing where they don't tell outsiders that and they just make jokes about like, oh yeah, you know, they just uh, ship whatever the elves make, ha ha ha. And then outsiders like, oh, ha ha, that's such a cute joke. And they're like, no, really. Anyways, so she gets to Garland and she, the first person we meet is taxi driver Martin, who is also either an author or a publisher or something unclear to me. And he's the one who tells her that, you know, holiday shipping ships, whatever the elves make, and they know everybody in town. And every time something cute and Christmassy happens, they say, well, you know, that's Garland for you. And um, <laughs> this is like a running thing. Very catchphrasy. Yes. It's, very, yeah, very it's definitely their catchphrase. I was yep. drinking every time they said that. <laughs> That actually would have been really a very good game. I might have to watch it again, but not. I was really impressed that, and by impressed, I think I mean negatively impressed when like at some point, I think it's later when she's talking to the general store owner, Ed, and he says, well, that's Garland. And she's like, stop, don't say it. And it's like, but he literally just say it, said it. In order for this to be funny, you'd have to stop him before he said it. As per usual, it has some very excellent writing. Yes, excellent writing. So his dad runs holiday shipping with the help of Cousin Joy. And Cousin Joy is super into her job. She seems to be Mr. Holiday's assistant or something. And she also is super into knitting everyone ugly sweaters. And everyone in town has a Joy original sweater. And that's Joy. And uh, anyways, so tax driver Martin also informs us that, and I quote, people around here start putting up decorations after Labor Day, unquote. And I can't help but feel that that's Hallmark hinting at their future. Oh, I, I think that the Christmas creep at Hallmark man. is, you know, extending, you know, it used to start beginning of November. Now we're into like mid-October that it starts. I, after Labor Day is where they're headed, I think. That's too much. We That's when we will have to draw the line, Mary. <laughs> might be. It might be. I just wanted to extend you a happy Christmas ween. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Happy Christmas to you as well. That's right. That's right. We did Thank comment you. about that last week too. Christmas Ween. That's a very good one though. I like it. Anyways, so she finally gets to the end and there's this extremely awkward scene, like 11 out of 11 out of 10 cringe, even for Hallmark, where Andy is struggling his way into one of Joy's signature ugly sweaters. And he, for some reason, is stuck in it there's no plausible reason he should be stuck in this sweater because it seems to fit him fine. Um, and so it's over his eyes when she comes in. And so she comes in and he's like, oh, hold on, I'll just be right there. And he's like wandering around trying to text her like, oh, hello, thank you for coming to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he finally gets the sweater out of his eyes and sees that it's his ex-girlfriend and there's a, you know, recognition moment. And it's kind of like, it was just really impossible for him to put the sweater over his eyes that whole time, but whatever. And it quickly becomes clear that the inn is not doing well. So we have the classic Hallmark uh, small business in trouble around Christmas time plot. And this leads to a wonderful bit of dialogue in which, you know, he's trying to pretend everything's peachy, but it's obviously not. And he shows her to her room. And right before he leaves, she says to him, be honest, are you performing below capacity? <laughs> that was super weird. I was like, what? <laughs> There, there are remarkable moments of innuendo scattered throughout this film. And that's there one are. Of them. I can't say that I, because it's Hallmark, I can't imagine they were intentional. Yeah, that's right. But, that but I don't know. Much, 
that's something we should watch for, Mary, going forward to see if maybe in their like tiny bit of minute progressivism, they're also getting a bit cheeky. Maybe that should be a new segment after bingo and relatable moments. There should be, was there innuendo? We could think That's about it. That's a good question. We could think about it. So anyways, they are performing below capacity, sadly, or rather Andy is performing below capacity. What follows are various cute scenes of Erica exploring Garland with Andy's help. So they eat at Hattie's diner. Hattie, of course, is this, you know, very you betcha down home diner owner. She stops by Ed's general store. She meets the mayor. There's always a mayor in these small towns and we always meet them. Um, And at one point, Erica makes Andy dinner at the inn in this very, you know, 1950s kind of housewifey scene where like, oh, everything's closed. There's nothing to eat. I guess I'm just going to eat cereal. And she's like, I will not let you eat cereal. And she proceeds to like cook him this fancy dinner on the spot. Eventually, Andy takes Erica to the observatory, which is for observing Santa, remember. But he built the observatory because he... And I quote, couldn't stop thinking about you because apparently she's into astronomy. And this is a thing that is mentioned a couple of times. And they kiss in the observatory, but there are still 55 minutes left in the movie. And so you know that all will not be right in Garland. Um, Also worth mentioning the observatory, huge telescope. She's extremely into his huge telescope. Very phallic. (laughs) And and the, the observatory, it's meant, you know, it's meant for the inn, but it's built for two. conveniently yeah there's definitely not room for more than two people in there as evidenced by the fact that they like bump into each other cutely and then have to kiss right and then later on when she's about to go back to seattle there's a line where she's like oh it won't be the same with my little telescope oh she loves his huge telescope anyways (laughs) so um after they kiss he sends her practical boots because everybody's been making fun of her city girl boots until now. Although I I think it's a very odd gesture to kiss someone and then send them boots and then immediately apologize for kissing them, which is what he does, but whatever. So he apologizes for kissing her. And she says that he was a great boyfriend, but he was always hiding something. I don't know. Maybe it's that he's heir to the Santa fortune. And that's when he confesses that the inn is failing and that he is in fact performing below capacity, but we all knew this. And then that's when she decides to help him save the inn by advertising and planning a lot of Christmas events. And there's a planning montage because of course there's a planning montage and their big signature Christmas event is going to be a gift exchange on Christmas Eve that is going to involve both the three guests at the inn, which is her and one other couple, and also the like townspeople. What did I write? I got to look up what I write in our text about what was the best marketing campaign of all time it was a really deeply poorly thought out marketing campaign because the thinking was now seven days before christmas we are going to sell this place on christmas and like save it but uh, oh the mixer the mixer was the, the mixer. marketing genius yes yeah marketing genius and he kept calling her that over and over again like several times he called her a marketing genius with her ideas that were like just gonna bring people like the five people that lived in town. And of course, you know, her deep insight into what the inn really needs is that you need to market not just the inn, but the location. You need to market Garland. You need to sell people on Christmas. And it's kind of like, well, yeah. I mean, and it's called Garland. <laughs> so we don't have to go very far for that. Well, how has no one thought of this? Anyways, so there's a planning montage. After the planning montage, he surprises her by building a coffee shop because the fact that there's no coffee shop in this town is also something that 
you know, has been like a running, not very funny joke where she kind of complains about not being able to get a cappuccino anywhere. And so he builds one in the end and makes oh, her yes. the first cappuccino ever made in Garland, Alaska. And then after that, there's some sort of event. It's unclear to me what exactly the event was, but involves, you know, you know, that shot where like she gets dressed up in a dress and opens the door and his jaw drops and she has clearly like wowed him and it's all coming back to him now. And like Celine Dion is playing in his head and like that and it's moment, always like the mo- it is actually usually a very pretty gown and it's for a very fancy event and you know but this whatever. is like the most boring dress i've ever seen oh it's like she got it at walmart i mean not to knock dresses purchased at walmart but like i have plain cotton dresses that i wear to work that are more flattering than that one and not that she looks bad in it she's a perfectly attractive woman but it's just a boring ass dress. It is. It was real. And, and Hallmark, I have to give them credit, usually doesn't get the dresses wrong. It was like, yeah. they were like, oh, does anybody have a red dress like hanging out in their car? Let's put that on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we never comment on the Hallmark costumes. Like it's not even worth talking about because they're usually so over the top Christmas. You want to vomit all over them. But this was the opposite, except that it was red. Like so weird. Very strange. Yeah. There are oftentimes beautiful ball gowns in Hallmark. Not this time. Anyways. So after this event where she wows him in her very boring dress, they somehow end up having a conversation at a fire pit outside and dressed in Alaska, remember that they are in Alaska in late December at night, and they're both dressed like it's late September in Philadelphia, but whatever. And then after that, she leaves him a note at the inn saying that she has checked out and she's going to be staying with his mom because it's too complicated between them for her to be staying at the inn. But I just want to point out that I don't think that's less weird. Yeah, that was pretty weird. I sort of got the feeling she didn't know his parents that well, even though they dated, because they were up, you know, doing their North Pole shit all the time or whatever they were doing. So I, it wasn't like her mom and her were best friends, and they even kind of looked very awkward together when she did go there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. she invites herself over pretty much. To his mom's house <laughs> to get away from him. Super yeah. weird. Very strange indeed. So anyways... At this point, she is in a tizzy because they're in love with each other. But I just want to point out that they have absolutely negative chemistry. This is very true. None at all. So like you could be excused for not having realized that they're in love with each other and thought that like you, like, you could be forgiven for believing that the kiss in the observatory was an accident of space because there is no chemistry between these two people. None. Zilch. Zero. I agree. It was, it was very dull. But anyway, she's talking like she's in love with him. So she keeps calling her best friend back in Seattle. And she keeps saying it's a gift of the Magi situation. She says that it's like, oh, Henry's story, the gift of the Magi. Because if he gives up the inn to come to her in Seattle, then he'll be sad. And if she quits her job to come to him in Alaska, then she'll be sad. That's not how the gift of the Magi works. No, not it, exactly. It's just a terrible comparison. It doesn't work. Yeah, because it's like the concept of of the Magi is the sacrifice. Yeah. And and I don't really think that was here. They both were gaining something, but not towards each other for whatever they would pick. Right. It it was just a, a very weird comparison that she kept making. Anyways, and then she leaves a letter in the secret mailbox that goes straight to Santa, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because she doesn't, she hasn't realized yet for some reason that 
Andy's father is Santa. And it's also very unclear why this mailbox is there at all, because I think I thought there was going to be something like, you know, being that Santa is a member of his immediate family, Santa would find the letter and give it to him and he would realize they're both in love with each other and, you know, make it work out. That's not what happens. So this scene was a throwaway, whatever. Meanwhile, Hattie asks Martin out, which cool. I think I said at one point I was texting you guys. I was like, at this point, I'm just watching for Hattie and Martin. <laughs> That's Hattie, by the way, who is played by the wonderful Peter Jacobson, uh, who. You mean Martin? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Martin. Yes. Martin is who I'm thinking of. Yes. Go on. <laughs> yes. That was and... a surprise. We don't usually get like quality actors. Yeah. yeah the... Except for Palaha. Except for Plaha, of course. So anyways, at this point, a couple of important conversations happen. One is where Mrs. Holiday, Andy's dad, sits Erica down and she's like, I need to tell you some things about our family. And then it cuts to commercial. So clearly Erica is now being clued in on the fact that Frank is Santa. And then after the commercial break, we have Andy talking to his father about the inn and the family business, quote unquote, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And he suggests that maybe the best solution to this would not be for all this pressure to be on him to take over the family business because it's never what he's really, it's never been what he really has really wanted. The end is what he really wants to do. Maybe instead, Joy should take over the family business. And oh, the cousin Joy, yes. How, yeah, cousin Joy, how progressive. We're going to have a female Santa Claus. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That is very progressive. You're right. Which is, of course, they had to throw us that progressive bone because um, the way this movie is going to end naturally five minutes later is that Erica announces once again over the fire pit dressed like it's September when it's the middle of the winter in Alaska and they exchange gifts on Christmas Eve. She suggests to Andy that, you know, they're in love and should make it work. And she announces that she has quit her job and is going to move to Garland. Oh, yes. And so they get back together while everyone creepily watches them from inside the inn where they had gathered for the Christmas gift exchange. And then Santa flies across the sky. Yeah. And it ends just so abruptly. I was going to say, that was the end, right? That was it. Yeah, Aaron, all Hallmark movies end this abruptly. You you, you have no idea yet because they just, they end it and they're like, we have nothing else to do now. (laughs) There are no loose ends to tie up because we haven't developed a plot where that's necessary. We don't really need much in the way of a denouement. And so we're just going to cut to commercial and next movie. Well, that is a very good retelling of a cozy Christmas inn as opposed to any other Christmas inn that's in one of the Hallmark movies, including the one we went to last week. I don't think I discovered why it was any cozier than any other one. Did you, May? No. Aaron hasn't got anything to compare it to. Yeah, I I don't have much to compare it to. Maybe it's because they have the fire pit outside i, I was gonna know. say fire pits i don't i actually don't know if i recall was there a fire pit in the last week's movie man i don't recall sure fire pit in last week's movie but let me check my notes i often write these things down they do make a big point of, about it though i did and... not write down fire pit so maybe that is the difference that's a good bingo congratulations 
let's talk about our Hallmark Christmas bingo moment. Mary, what was your most cheesiest one in this film? You know, it was a toss-up because there were several as usual, but I think it's going to have to go to a Christmas Eve events involving the whole town as if people don't have other shit to do on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's always one that pisses us off. Like, people hold Christmas events on, like, the 15th of December because people want to be with their families, but not in Hallmark towns. So we talked about this, too, already, and I wrote it down immediately. A man who may or may not be Santa. That is often a very typical Hallmark thing. I do think there is a movie out there, and, and please, our devoted listeners, let me know if it's a Hallmark one or not. We don't think so where there's like this, the person's going to become Santa, the children of Santa. And I don't know what that Christmas movie is, but there is one and I'm going to have to Google it. But this was like, there's always a man who's like ringing the bell outside and it's probably really Santa or he works at the hardware store and he's probably Santa. Twinkle in his eye. Twinkle in his eye. He He's taking a sleigh, people on sleigh rides around a park, maybe some old man. Like there's always some man who may or may not be Santa. <laughs> And well, not always. In fact, we haven't had one for a little while. But this one was extremely obvious, but he was like modern day Santa with his shipping company. So that I would say is mine. So let me know if you what you think, Aaron. All right. Yeah, I, I think I've got it. It actually was towards the very beginning. And it was just the general like cheery coziness, happiness that was in the dialogue. And it was when Erica, I think she's on she's on the phone or she's talking to her boss um, and she says, how's my favorite boss? Oh my God. And I was just like, Oh, no one says that. That's very true. If you you say that, re-examine your life. That's right. That's right. Because you know, you can compare it to so many other ones. Right. Yeah. That was, I just wanted to throw that in there. I also want to point out my mother was watching this movie and she texted me afterwards and she was like, I don't like this actor. He also wasn't any good in the other one about Garland. So apparently there's another one about Garland. Oh, I do think there is. Hang on. The, where they went to Garland Town. I believe so. Christmas Under Wraps. Is that one in Garland? 2014. Oh, wow. Playing the long game with the Garland movies. Garland, Alaska. This has CCB in it, but I'm not finding enough about it. I feel like I've seen this one. Oh, and this is a person whose family is Santa. I do remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she like... Wait, pieces are falling together now. This family... In fact, he was in it, Andy Holiday. But she, he he is hooking up with a different woman in that movie. Well, this makes sense because of the very... Okay, because here's the plot I'm seeing. When an aspiring surgeon is turned down for a fellowship... She takes a temporary position working as a GP in a small Alaskan town uh-huh. in an effort to boost her resume. This makes sense. Hattie's in it. Andy Holiday's in it. Frank Holiday's in it. This makes sense. Faith Holiday. So this was very... a sequel? Correct. Apparently. What? At the very beginning of the movie, as you'll recall of this movie, there was talk about, you know, has Andy dated anyone else? Oh, and, Lauren! Yes! Yeah. And she was like, oh yeah, he, you but know, she, I saw on Facebook or something that he was dating some girl. So he was, sorry, she, he was dating a doctor. He was, he was dating a doctor. And then she asked him about it later, like, oh, you know, are you seeing anyone? He's like, no. And she's like, well, what happened to the doctor? And he's like, oh, Lauren, yeah, she, 
you know, had a chance to move back to California and she opened a practice or whatever. So they yes, me right off. Which ironically, Cece B being Jody Sweeten's older sister on television. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this is your mom is right. But this is this is going back about eight years. So um, well, go Mary's mom. Of, I kind of like, though, that CCB leaves Hallmark. And they like make a sequel to a movie with her in it without her, which she gets written off as the out of the picture X. I think (laughs) that's genius as well. I really like that. That is very, very good. It's like, no, 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 we don't need you. We got Jody Sweet. And and I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) You know, I I think Hallmark will thrive without them. In fact, I still think the future of Hallmark um, lies with its men. But, you know, that's that's me. Alicia Chabert isn't bad. Hashtag relatable with Hallmark Top. What I wrote down actually was that they were sort of trudging through the snow at one point to get to the inn, to no, the diner, to get to Hattie's diner. Like the, usually the roadways like have only plastic snow on the side of it. And there's no actual snow. And we know they usually do like digital snow. And there was one scene where now they were a little bit more rugged up than normal as well. So it looks like it actually might have been cold, but I doubt it. But anyway, the road, like sort of sidewalk to the diner was not totally shoveled, which I thought was very relatable. Because then really in winter, if you're walking down the street, you have to navigate through a lot of things and wear real shoes outside or boots. But yeah, what about you, Aaron? So, you know, early on, in the movie uh andy's dad aka santa claus is talking with him over over the phone or through zoom or something and he says something like yeah mom won't let me eat anything but celery so i'm just eating tons of cookies (laughs) and i thought heck yeah andy's dad that's exactly (laughs) what i'd be doing (laughs) you know there's like that holiday holiday uh plate of like just celery that maybe one of your aunts or uncles brings <laughs> and then there's cookies right next to it what do you go for that's right definitely <laughs> definitely the celery the celery no no the cookies every time you're absolutely right? right you're absolutely right so i thought every you know everyone can relate to that that's great are um, you secretly santa claus <laughs> that's right you have a you have like a, a jolly laugh going on over there which is possible Mary, what about you? Hashtag relatable. Anything? I am struggling. I really, let's see, was there anything relatable in this movie? Let me go through it in my head now. Let's see. She wears expensive shoes. No, I don't wear expensive shoes. She, you know. Let me see what I wrote too, if I can help. Her sort of like real person moments where she's not dressed practically for the weather are still not that relatable. No. So not, you know, and I don't drink coffee, so I can't even relate to her. Oh, her you know, espresso problem. After cappuccino. I, I actually have had a problem with that because I am a coffee snob, and there's no way they're like first go at ever running an espresso machine. They made the best cappuccino ever. The other thing is, it didn't even seem particularly realistic that nobody, I mean, even in the middle of nowhere, Alaska, like I have, you know, family that is not with the times. And still very much enjoys their fancy ass coffee because that's what everyone does now. Well, even small towns, like they're begging for Starbucks. So, you know, like they all want Starbucks to come to their town. They have I mean, Starbucks sure was, where my parents live. 
They, they were clearly just trying to avoid saying like, oh my God, there's not even a Starbucks here. Right. Well, that's but, true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but everybody, case, everybody has to have like tiny bit of coffee, a ton of milk and a ton of sugar. Yeah, of everybody does that now, I guess, except for me. So even that I couldn't find relatable. So I don't know. She, and I don't it, cook. She cooks. It, I don't, it's, it's okay to tap out. I, I've never had to tap out before. I feel like I can't do it now. I mean, but your relatable moment was kind of a stretch. Your relatable moment was essentially at one point she's cold and I have been cold before. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can, surely I can beat that. Well, that's, that's, a, that's pretty bad, Mary. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I guess I'll have to go with. She's been cold before. <laughs> you know, I have needed new boots on short notice before there right. you go there you go um i recently discovered that my favorite pair of boots which were not expensive or fancy but they were good solid boots um have a hole in the sole and this was right before i went on a trip and i was disappointed to learn that my you know favorite boots could not you know be of practical use to me on that trip at least not if it rained okay there we go but that i'll take that that works <laughs> So how are we going to rewrite this one? I think it's very near hopeless, but can it be saved? Yeah. So Mary, I, I have an idea about that. And it sort of goes back to when, when you asked me to come on the show, I was thinking about Hallmark and, you know, how do I, how can I relate to it or how, how is this fun? And I've always, you know, the Hallmark films that I've seen, I've always thought things are maybe a bit too pleasant. Things just don't quite add up. They don't make sense. And inevitably towards the middle, they should sort of skew towards horror. It should suddenly become a horror film and there's a twist. That would be much more seasonally appropriate. <laughs> right? With Halloween? It really would be. And I think this is brilliant. And I could definitely see all of Garland being a midsummer cult, except midwinter. But go on, tell us where you think. If we had to rewind this movie and restart at a certain point in another direction what would that point be okay so that point is everything everything is exactly the same leading up to when erica's character walks into the restaurant slash diner where none other than peter jacobson's character martin is and martin was in fear the walking dead quite oh, recently nice. Ooh, okay. excellent. Um, and suddenly we remember, you know, Andy's Andy's dad, aka Santa Claus, is eating a bit too many cookies, and <laughs> he's decided that he's going to come to the inn and visit visit himself. And so there's a scene where he arrives, he's eating too many cookies, and he, he dies suddenly, and he comes back as a zombie Santa Claus. And I don't know exactly Oops. where it goes, but. No, zombie Santa Claus. That's fantastic. If I may, can the zombie Santa Claus preside over the winter version of a midsummer cult? Because I think that's what Garland <laughs> feels like. I think that might be a good way to to wrap it into the overall feeling. Sarah, yeah. have you seen Midsummer? I didn't I couldn't bring myself to watch it because they said it was the scariest movie ever made, and that doesn't sound like a good thing for me. It was not the scariest <laughs> movie ever made, but it was very good. I saw it in theaters. Oh my so god. So did I, so did wow. I. 
I, I, no way. I wouldn't. I mean, to be fair, as we're speaking, I, I'm desperately trying to get my hands on the last of 73 episodes that I watched this month of a show called The Haunting of, which is a sequel to celebrity ghost stories where a medium goes back with the celebrity to the place of their haunting and like talks them through what happened. And I've seen every single one except one. So I do like ghost story things, but I'm not super good at horror. Like that's just a bit, I think I, I don't know. The ghost stories seem more real and the horror is right. Very scary. Fair enough. Fair enough. So like, but you know the premise of Midsummer, right? Or maybe we should explain the premise for listeners who might not be familiar. It's basically that these Americans go to visit their Swedish friend's small town during this Midsummer festival. And it turns out it's all a cult, right? It's like they're all in a cult. Everybody's really happy and in love with the place and with each other. And it's a cult. And they're all either going to get murdered or like, you know, inducted into the cult, essentially. And I think that could very easily happen in Garland, because that's Garland for you. That's Um, (laughs) Garland for you. You know, they start putting up their Christmas decorations after Labor Day, preparing for, you know, this midwinter ritual that is Christmas in Garland. Um, They have a high priest of the situation in the form of Frank Holiday, who is now going to be zombie Santa Claus. And I think that Erica is going to face a very real choice here between you know running for her life being murdered or joining the zombie santa claus cult because that's garland for you that's that's a different kind of garland that's for sure yeah and and i think is it though she totally joins garland oh yeah she definitely joins joins at the end so in a way the ending can stay the same too (laughs) it's just what what happens in between that has to that has to change really much of this movie could be the same with little details that throw our interpretation of it into question because plenty of this movie read through the correct lens could be creepy as fuck yeah that's that's very true i thought this is a little bit of a side take because again i'm not super good at the horror that hattie herself was actually kind of creepy something about her was just a bit off-putting and so she kind of reminded me of like the log lady in Twin Peaks so I think you could like eerify this horror movie as well a bit with like some weird kind of Twin Peaksian kind of David Lynchy things in the horror world as well but but that's like where I draw the line it's scary I can do David Lynch but like big slasher stuff is not I'm not good at that Unless it's like Shaun of the Dead. And the other thing about Hattie is she and everyone else we meet, for that matter, is in a terrible hurry to see Andy married off to Erica. She is in a terrible hurry to induct Erica into the Garland cult, if you will. Which, if you think about it, is kind of similar to what's happening in Midsummer because Florence Pugh shows up and she's got a boyfriend. Spoiler alert. She won't have to worry about him anymore by the end. But clearly the Swedish guy who invited them has like chosen her as a mate and it's discussed that like their community is really small and you know they are having trouble sort of like the young people have trouble finding mates you know and because the you know the community has gotten so insular and they're needing to recruit new people from outside and so that's obviously why Florence Pugh's character was selected to to come to the Midsummer Festival you know Maybe there's a reason Erica was invited to Garland. Uh, maybe. So, I think you're right. 
Of course, she wasn't actually invited, but in, in our version, she can be invited. Right. There's a couple of characters that I wanted to mention that to go back and kind of loop them in. It's this, like, so towards the beginning, Andy is intro- is showing this sort of middle-aged Black couple around. I think it's Alana and Oscar. And they're the, the only names. other guests at the inn, it bears pointing out. Right. And they're, yeah, they're the only other guests. And I feel like in this situation, they would be the ones that would survive and get out at the end and nobody else. <laughs> who, is, who would survive? I missed that, Aaron. You know, the, the Black couple that... Oh, yes, is, yes, yes. ...is sort of has a couple of kind of weird scenes. Some cameos? Uh, can, they're cameo. They are cameos throughout, I think, just like two scenes in the film. Um, I, but I feel like they would come back, maybe kick some ass and, and get the heck out of there. I feel like it's very un-horror movie, though, for both of them to make it out alive. Like, clearly one dies. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe Alana does. Okay, and the, and the dude makes it Oscar. The dude makes it out. He no, he sacrifices himself. Oh, he sacrifices oh, himself, and Alana her. makes it out. Okay, okay, get, cool. So that she can get out. And yeah, and meanwhile, Erica joins the cult. That's right. So we have one death, one induction, and one escapee. I, that that fits. I'd track. like to see it. Yeah, I'd that like sounds... to see that. <laughs> How is there any way we can get Palaha in it? <laughs> Oh, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe, the, maybe that's our new segment, Mary. How do we add Palaha? I think we need at least one more person to die. And so there needs to be at least one more outsider. And I think Palaha could give us a really A-plus death scene. Well, and maybe he's like the first one to go because he, he can actually handle the drama of the acting that would be required. Yeah. I mean, we didn't get much of Oscar and Alana. They might be perfectly decent actors as well. We just only That's saw true. them for a combined That's true. total. They, right. they didn't have very <laughs> much. But, um, but yeah, Not no, even Palaha, four minutes is probably a stretch. We need to cast Palaha as the, the first to go. Um, how does Palaha die in this, though? I think that he might, oh, I hate to say it, but he might get eaten by a polar bear. Ooh, the you doggy what, polar bear? Do we care that polar bears are in the South Pole and not the North? I don't think we do. No, no. Hallmark wouldn't care. Hallmark wouldn't care, so we don't care. Or maybe, maybe it's a, it's a rabid reindeer attack. Oh, a rabid reindeer attack. That's good. I like it. A zombie reindeer. A zombie rain. Oh my gosh, this is so good. It's like it, he's a reject of the of the crew. He didn't make the cut. Right. Like clearly, they were trying to induct him too, but he, you know, started showing his skepticism, and he was like. I don't know, Labor Day? That's just a little bit too early. Can't you at least wait till after Halloween? That's and right. then you see like Frank looking at Joy and they like exchange a look and the next scene he's attacked by a rabid reindeer and it's all over. Right. And and the rabid reindeer, I think he's been haunting this town for a while because he was rejected from the flight crew because oh, um, he wasn't good enough. Or maybe he had a tragic accident and he had to be put down while training. <laughs> it's Rudolph <laughs> it's true it can be Rudolph it's Rudolph he doesn't like, need to slay anymore his red he, he just he, he maybe he just is like yeah maybe Rudolph just did it too many fights and had an accident and he's forever haunting Santa in this town of Garland and <laughs> unfortunately Palaha succumbs to the bloody nose of Rudolph so like yeah, it. there are four, four, think, you know, out of towners enter Alaska, two die, one stays, one leaves alive. This, this tracks, this fits. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I right. want to see it made. 
Well, I think maybe I've seen something like it on Netflix before, but <laughs> that's very true. So Palaha, <laughs> if you're listening, you know, come on our show and let's let's get this one made. Let's talk a little bit about what's happening next weekend. Because I don't think we've decided, Mary, what we're watching anyway. So we could yeah, do we a little decided. bit of guessing about what. So uh, hit us with happen. some titles, Sarah. What do we got next weekend? Let's see. So we have, oh, A Magical Christmas Village. Okay. Lights, Camera, Christmas. Okay. A Maple Valley Christmas. No, that's not new. Oh, no, that is a new one, potentially. All Saints Christmas. I really hope All Saints Christmas relates to the r&b group all saints all girl band yeah potentially it could be wait for real yeah if that's true we're watching that one it does appear that it might be about that i really like the sound of lights camera christmas i think what i like about the concept of lights camera christmas is it implies to me that they're trying to appeal to people with a particular interest in the cinema oh, and yes. it's just really funny to me to think about film buffs watching hallmark it's gonna be a, an art house hallmark movie art house hallmark <laughs> movie i love it it's gonna be in black and white oh yes that's right it's film noir <laughs> it's film noir so christmas noir. hallmark christmas oh I, I was thinking more like nouvelle vague like you know we're gonna have some like what's his face some settee playing in the background and oh yes uh, yeah, and there will be people on bicycles, and yeah. Very nice, very nice. And then, what about, um, uh, well, surely, this is called A Magical Christmas Village, which to me sounds like a ripoff of one that is so bad, but not even made by Hallmark. That's, I can't, I think it's called The Snow Globe, and it's about a woman who, like, wakes up inside a snow globe, and it's like a village of people who only drink hot chocolate and go ice skating that I watched a long time ago when I was in living in Vancouver during the Olympics. Oh, you know, that's, not it. that's a more generous interpretation of Magical Christmas Village than what I have. Because when I heard a Magical Christmas Village, I just assumed that it's the exact same movie, either that we watched this weekend or that we watched last weekend, both of which took place in Magical Christmas Villages. Oh, see, I was thinking it's like a small village that's come to life magically, you know, like like you guys have at your house, Mary, with like the fake snow and the, the town hall that, yeah, and the gazebo and blah, blah, blah. That's that what I was be. thinking. And someone wakes up inside of Magical Christmas Village. A village. And they have to save Christmas somehow. But you're right. There are plenty of, of Magical Christmas Villages around. In fact, that brings me to... One that I think we need to go to sometime, Mary. Oh. It's called Frankenmuth. And you're going to have to look it up. Frankenmuth, Michigan. It's apparently Hallmark Christmas Town for reals in Michigan that is the most amazing place ever. It's some old German town that every year they turn into Christmas Town. Michigan's like, little Bavaria. I just looked it up. Yeah. With, like, all the holiday things and cheer that happen. I'm and there. When are we going? I know. <laughs> I, well, we could either, to be fair, we could either go for their Oktoberfest summer year, which also sounds awesome. Yes. And they have, like, a corn maze or the holiday Christmas time. But I, some friends of mine, in fact, Fran, who has been on our show before, he told me about it. And I do think we need to check it out sometime. They probably have like a Christmas event that's on Christmas Eve. 
it seems like that kind of town. Let me just see. Oh my the gosh, Bavarian... so what if we go and get inducted into their midwinter cult? Oh my, wow, that's very true. That's they have risk. something called the Bavarian Blacksmith Experience Elves Tinker Workshop. I don't think I want the blacksmith to teach me how to make toys. That sounds like we would get murdered. <laughs> I would say, can you see him with like his hot poker and doing not nice things? I don't like that. They do have a Christmas market as well, which I think would be nice. awesome in German style. The Christmas show featuring featuring groove marmalade holiday. Whoa, that sounds fun. Well, 12, 12 days of Christmas sale. But anyway. I think what you're really highlighting here is that we don't know what kind of magical Christmas village is going to be in next week's movie, but there is one thing that we do know about it. Oh yes. They will fall All in, in love. love. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode of Hallmarked Up. Thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. We hope you had a good time. Can I also throw thank out another so special thank you? Oh yes. To Go for it. My best friend, Aaron's fiance, Alyssa who just texted me that, and I quote, you better love me. I almost hollered on that last play because she's watching the Notre Dame game right now and has managed to <laughs> not scream through our recording <laughs> session. So. That's very nice, Alyssa. That's fine. But yeah, Aaron, thanks for coming on. And we loved your little horror take of homework. I, I think Palaha is going to bite on that one for sure. I'm going to come Palaha, start. come on homework up. Come on homework up. I, I can't wait. I really can't. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Have Thank a you good so week, much, everyone. Thanks, Aaron. And we'll see you guys next week for maybe All Saints Christmas. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Thank you for listening to Hallmark Up. Find us online at hallmarkedup.com, on Instagram at hallmarkedup, and on Facebook at Hallmark Up with Mary and Sarah. Remember to follow, listen, and review wherever you get your podcasts.